on Young Nostalgia? Here's Johnny. Let's take a look. Another fabulous week means another fabulous episode of one of your favorite podcasts of ever, Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan. As always, Ben is beside me. Uh, ben, what'd you think? Pretty good opening for what we're going to be talking about today. I feel pretty good. Pretty <laughs> eh, confident. It was okay. About, about a C plus. <laughs> 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 wow. <laughs> I'm going home. That was good. You nailed it. You know Thanks. It. I appreciate it. I really need that feedback from you, okay? Okay? I need that positive feedback. Is that what keeps you going week to week? Yes. I literally stay... I, I can't sleep until I get that positive feedback once a week from Ben. <laughs> How you doing today, big guy? Uh, I'm doing okay. Busy week. My only day off of this week, but uh, I guess can't well, really can't really be doing much better than sitting down to right. record so you definitely looked better but oh <laughs> probably i haven't showered yet today <laughs> oh hey me neither look we're practically brothers <laughs> yeah. thank you so much for tuning into the grimy young nostalgia podcast this is episode 86 we're gonna be uh taking it back just like uh we did a few episodes back um where we just kind of pinpoint one year in history uh mainly just kind of uh, decades. So we started out with 1950. This week we're going to be talking about 1960. The cool things that kind of started out um, in this time, kind of time period, whether it be toys, cost of living, as well as huge major news headlines um, throughout the year. And there's been a lot of stuff that's been going on in 1960. It's kind of crazy, but it'll be cool to dig into. Um, so that's what we're doing this week. Why? What's up? What are you laughing about? <laughs> I know. I've <laughs> no, yeah, no, man. You pretty much just suck. That's what you. I think. wasn't la- No, no, I was not yeah, laughing yeah. at you. I was thinking about some of the good material we have coming up in the show here. Sure, yeah, or uh, okay. or about the conversation we had before the mics were on. Well, yeah, that too. But uh, <laughs> we don't need to talk about we that. Need, we, we need to have like a separate podcast of Young Nostalgia unfiltered. Then they can find out. Yeah, l- about our bathroom <laughs> habits, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, let us know. If you'd be interested in like a uh, like a young nostalgia unfiltered, maybe oh. do it like monthly or something like that. We could yes. do maybe maybe like on the Patreon level or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would be kind of cool to do that, or at least label it explicit. I mean, you yeah. know, we're not very tame individuals in the real world outside of young nostalgia. <laughs> we swear like sailors, but um, we try to tame it down for this. But yeah, I think that would be actually a lot of fun. So if you want to hear a young nostalgia unfiltered, maybe about 10 or 15 minutes of just BS talk between Ben and I, give us an email at youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. If you'd like to hear it, uh, we'd be down to put that out for you guys as well. So it's a good time. Maybe you will never listen to us again. That is going to be such a train wreck. I know. It's so bad. But that's, that's what we're all about here. I love it. Okay, so we're going to get kick-started here. And wow. <laughs> that was freaking awesome. <laughs> ben just spilled his beer all over himself. Oh, my God. All right, it's all right. Nothing nothing going on here. It's all right. That's freaking awesome. All right, on that note, let's get into it. Okay, we're back with Ben, and 
he has a brand new beer in his mouth. He's good to go now after he's just like freaking. That was amazing. I got it all okay, over the so desk, everything. 19, 1960 is what we're going to be talking about today, episode 86 on Young Nostalgia. So just to give a quick little breakdown um, of what 1960 looked like. The cost of living, average cost of a new house, $12,700. So with that, I could buy probably five houses with my student loan debt. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going, I agree. Um, I was going a different direction with that. I was going to say with the average cost of a new house in 1960, that will buy you, if you're looking at used cars that are a couple years old, that will buy you right. one that is super high mileage and kind of a beater. Right. And, like, you'll have to use the uh, cigarette charging lighter just to listen to your MP3s on your phone. Yes. That kind of car. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> $12,000. Holy cow. What? Isn't that freaking nuts? Yeah. Well, I guess go go one line down here with the, uh, I'm not trying to steal the section from you or not, but no, uh, man. Uh, average monthly rent of $98. 98 That's, like, what you can spend on groceries for two weeks. Yeah, well, I I think, uh, trying to do some math in my head here, I think I spend more than that in fuel every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that that's actually really funny. Uh, uh, hey, one line down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cost, look at this. Look at this transition. Cost of a gallon of gas. A gallon of gas, one quarter, 25 cents. Wow. That. God. Costco's not even that good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, for for people like us um, that have never really experienced fuel, um, I mean, I guess I do remember it a little bit less than two dollars a gallon, but I think that's yeah. very brief uh, memory in my in my brain. Um, Dude, I remember when it was like over four dollars a gallon for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, and then to try to imagine it, gas is. 25 cents per gallon i mean that's i i can't really imagine life like that it's not <clears throat> it's so foreign to foreign to me that it's hard to imagine right and then like you know you kind of had to put in perspective where wages back then I mean, kind of you know equaled out to a point of equilibrium to a point well kind of, you know yes I, I i totally understand that i mean if you look at like all the if you look at the price for everything, it all basically is going to go hand in hand with, you know, the average uh, earnings or wages um, of the year as well. Um, I get that, but it, it does, you know, just looking at the price, relatively speaking to just what the price is now and what it is then, or, you know, if you, if you were able to uh, time travel back to 1960 and you're know, like, oh, in 2020, I just filled up my tank at, uh, it was $3.50 a gallon, you know, and they would lose right. their minds. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Oh my God. <laughs> That's actually really funny to think about. Um, all right. So not to, That's all right. Good. I don't want to sidetrack the conversation too much at all, but that just brought up something that I think about more often than I would care to admit. Is, All right. This Let's is. Do it. <laughs> I 
I'll find, especially when I'm driving, a lot of this happens when I'm driving, uh, especially interstate driving where my mind kind of wanders a little bit. Um, <clears throat> it could be anyone from like 1700s, 1800s. It could be someone from just the last century. I find myself all the time to where if somehow that a person, that person say, I don't know, JFK or someone older than that, maybe it was George Washington, let's say. Okay. If yeah. they were in the car with me right now, like somehow they, we were able to bring them back or time travel them from their time to right now, how on earth we would explain things to Oh, them. my God. Someone like, like George Washington, I mean, you know, what is a car? What is electricity? What is, you know, you know, you try to think of, like, you'll see what us talking a into a phone. Well, what is that? Well, it's just a thing that we can, it's powered with electricity, <laughs> and then we talk to people. Well, that doesn't make any sense because he doesn't even know what electricity is. You know what I mean? Right. So right. I, I find myself going down that rabbit hole of trying to come up with explanations for things <laughs> right. so often. But then, like, you know, you also don't want to freak them out to the fact that they just, like, don't know what to do with life anymore. Right, yeah, and that's part of it as well. You have to, like, try to come up with a way to ease them into the life of someone in 2020 so that they don't just have a mental breakdown and, uh, and freak out. Yeah. So I, right. I don't, we don't want to railroad the conversation, uh, too bad, but that reminded me of that. I, I actually do think of that probably multiple days a week on my <laughs> ride to work. <laughs> yeah. I got to remember just to text you and be like, who'd you think of this time? That's in your, that's in your past. Uh, we could start that as a new segment on the show. Like what did I come up with right. this week? <laughs> Ben talked to <laughs> Ben talked to Abe Lincoln this week. God. Yep. 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 Shoot. Uh, okay, a twenty three inch track. television back in nineteen sixty was two hundred and nineteen dollars and ninety five cents. You can get like a good size, you know, forty two inch for two hundred and nineteen dollars now. So and especially like this is you kind can, of the time where TVs became really the center part of a of a living space at this point. Yeah, that's true. And it's it's you said you can get a 42 inch. I mean, that's that's probably a a pretty nice 42 inch as right. well. If you went to Walmart and got like a clearance TV or something like that, like 720p, um, not smart TV or anything like that. I mean, you're probably looking at 150 bucks. Yeah, easy. Um, I'd like to go back a little bit to the uh, 1950 show we did. Uh, it was episode 80 um, back in December. Uh, we don't have the size of the screen, but we were looking at a Strongberg black and white television um, of the time was two hundred and fifty dollars um, of that time. So we probably did from year from 1950 to 1960, we probably did see a little bit of a size increase with an actual uh, price decrease as well. So, right. And probably, you know, better built, more efficient mm-hmm. stuff like that as well. Exactly. <clears throat> That's cool. That's cool. Uh, a can of beef ravioli, thirty cents. <laughs> what a steal! That's amazing. Uh, loaf of bread, twenty cents. The can of beef ravioli isn't too bad. I mean, you can get like a beef ravioli for like a dollar mm-hmm. nowadays, so it's not too. Yeah, bad. that's what I was just gonna ask. I wasn't really sure what that would be priced. I would, I would imagine it was somewhere between like eighty-five cents and a dollar twenty-ish nowadays. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And if you get that mail-in rebate. Oh, That's there you go. Deal. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, men's electric shaver, $20.30. Got to look clean. I'm not sure if that it has tax or not. 
but <laughs> twenty dollars, thirty, thirty. Uh, pull, Polaroid. Polaroid land camera. Uh, looking back, it seems quite expensive overall for a camera, but this was the only way to see your photo nearly instantly back in the day, and these things were starting to get really big and really popular. That was $93.45. Not too bad. I'd say that's a pretty good deal. No, that's real. Well, well, mean, well spent. How were you supposed to get it on your Instagram, though? Mute. Block <laughs> you, man. Get, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, their Instagram was like their their bulletin boards, all right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, okay, and then last year on the list, the latest in Danish contemporary furniture for the 60s home, Danish contemporary living room furniture magazine, $350. That's what you're paying to have the top-notch uh, mid-century furniture, I don't... which is, you know, I mean, yeah, that's not the... That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm just not really sure about that stat, though, because that could be a lot of different things. Is that like a coffee table? Yeah, or a (laughs) lamp or a full couch? Because if that was a full couch, that seems like it'd be kind of a cheap, chintzy couch. But on the other thing, if if you're looking at $350 for an end table, then that better be a really nice end table. So I think there needs to be a little bit more data on that stat to really have an impact. Right. Yeah, we'll get we'll get on that right now. Um, <laughs> Looking up furniture prices. All right, I got it. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, a Vespa scooter back in 1960, $319.95. So you could buy a nice coffee table instead of a Vespa scooter. But I think I'd opt for the Vespa scooter for that sure. That seems ridiculous. Okay, so that puts it a little bit better into perspective here. So I don't care what it is, any type of vehicle nowadays if it were it seems ridiculous that it would be on par with any piece of furniture right i mean you look at some bicycles not even powered vehicles some bicycles now are stupid expensive and to think about any sort of motorized vehicle being cheaper than uh like a like an average price for furniture is ridiculous to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's actually really funny. But you know, the thing is, too, we also spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a gaming console. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. That's fair. Sorry, bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, didn't mean to just shut you up. You know, you're just like, oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I'll be over here if you need me. what's up next Uh, okay so now we're gonna just kind of hit some major they're not really headlines but they're just kind of major media uh major themes in the media at this point i guess i don't know um (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know where i was going with that so we have the, (laughs) the creation of opec uh, which OPEC, of course, stands for the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, uh, formed during a meeting in Baghdad, Iraq, in September of 1960. Um, we don't, not going too much further on that. I mean, that could be a show in itself with all of the uh, the the basis of that organization, the scandal surrounding the organization. Um, definitely some good material in there for future shows. Just not 
any that we want to necessarily get into on a show topic like this. <clears throat> so, on that note, we'll move forward into the Civil Rights Act of 1960. Uh, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signs the Civil Rights Act of 1960 into law on May 6th of the same year. The purpose of this law was to close loopholes from the Civil Rights Act of 1957 and dealt primarily with voter disenfranchisement. Disenfranchisement. (laughs) Um, The act... Uh, ended up creating some penalties for anyone who tried to obstruct voter registration and extended the right extended the life of the Civil Rights Commission, which had been set uh, to expire relatively soon. Um, it also established federal inspection of local voting re- voter registration polls um, in an attempt to counteract uh, some discriminatory laws in the South that work to disenfranchise voters on a racial basis. That's a pretty big, this is a pretty big, uh, pretty big deal. That is a big deal. That's kind of cool. To kind of wrap all that up into, into one that was a little bit on the wordy side, basically it, it took the civil rights act of 1957 and kind of expanded a little bit. It fixed some problems with it, um, and extended some of the dates for the commissions and committees established by the act of 1957 right and by no means are we to the point today where we need to be anyway but this is kind of like where it all kind of started to to get bigger and much more prominent um and heading in a direction that a lot of people wanted it to see so exactly it's cool it's cool um all right right, you you taking the next one yeah man unless you want to do it all right here we go i'm nervous (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we're 18 minutes the, into this show and you're nervous <laughs> yeah after 86 after 85 previous episodes um the usa launched pioneer 5 spacecraft nasa launched the pioneer 5 space probe on march 11th 1960 the purpose of its mission was to travel between the orbits of earth and venus in order to gather information about deep space between the two planets the spacecraft measured the interplanetary magnetic field and gathered information about ionization and solar flare particles. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, it, su- it successfully <laughs> completed its mission and stopped transmitting data back to Earth by April of that year. Um, probably just because it was so far out or, you know, something could have happened to it. Who knows? But it did transmit the data that was uh, looking to be looking to be got. That's a bad sentence. In June, Pioneer <laughs> 5 was was able to establish communications with Earth at a then record 20, 22.5 million miles away. But contact with the craft was lost, lost after that point. So it was 22.5 million miles away, and it still was able to make contact. Not necessarily transmitting like large amounts of data, but they could at least know that it was still alive and out there. And then soon after, I think it either just died off or, or who knows what. But that's really kind of cool. 1960, it's just crazy to think that that kind of stuff was possible when we have more equipment that we're using to record this podcast right now on our phones than they had to make that spacecraft and, and do that 22 miles, 22 million miles in dead space. That's yeah, nuts. Yeah, it, it is nuts. And I think I'll go... I'll go a step further than that too. I think that 
with the technology that was used to launch and control this Pioneer 5 space probe, I think I think my wireless headphones, not just my phone, not my laptop or anything, just my wireless headphones probably have more computing power than it took to make that happen. Isn't that crazy? It is insane. Absolutely insane. Wow. You know, I can't even imagine the 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 intelligence and the ingenuity of the individuals involved with uh, with that endeavor is mind-boggling. Um, Absolutely, because everything has to be planned ahead of. I mean, there's there's basically no there's no allowance for variation in something like that. I mean, there might be right. Yeah, there's no decision making on the fly as far as software based with the probe at that point. It's it's sent off with a very specific set of instructions. I say instructions, you know, that's its flight path and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And if there's any deviation from that, it would have to be deviation that was already planned for. And then there had to be a plan set forth and initiated specifically for that there would be no oh shoot we're you know we're kind of off track a little bit here um let's correct that a little bit you know there was there was none of that it was any possible uh bit of variance had to have been pre-planned for and pre-engineered um to account for it um right which is crazy you know and you look at it as opposed to nowadays um if Something were to happen, and NASA or any of the third-party uh, space organizations that are out there um, today, if something were to happen, and and uh, a space it's and somehow technology was you know rendered useless or something like that, you know e- EMP level kind of situation, you know, um, and had to say go back to 1960s technology to fly a space probe to save humanity. Oh, humanity would be screwed because they're, you know, <laughs> I'm just, it. I'm just saying like, there's, I don't think people are not saying people are dumber, but it's, there's such a reliance on the technology and it's taken for right. granted. Um, and there isn't the, the miles and miles and miles of, of written out, uh, math that it took to make this happen in 1960. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the reliance thing I think is is the big yeah. key part so of that. So ho- hopefully there was a point somewhere in that that mess of monologue, but <laughs> Yeah, feel free to feel free to rewind 5 minutes and yeah. just listen to that listen again. Listen to that again. Maybe you'll find a point in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. What's up next? Um another one that uh, I find really interesting, uh the United States had the held the first televised presidential debate. Uh, so the first televised U.S. presidential debate <clears throat> took place between uh, Kennedy and Nixon. Um, U.S. presidential candidates John F. Kennedy and Richard Nixon take part in the first ever televised debate during September of that year. Uh, held in Chicago, uh, the two discussed the you know common domestic issues that you know all debates talk about. Um, In this historic debate, Kennedy seemed to have a great advantage over his opponent as he appeared more collected um, in contrast to Nixon's very visible uh, nerves. Uh, 
like sweating and kind of like fidgeting and yes. seemed like he just didn't know what to do with his hands. Exactly. Um, three more debates were actually held where Nixon was able to recover much of his composure. Um, but Kennedy would go on to win the election in November and Nixon, Nixon obviously won, um, election 1968. Um, but with this very first year of, of televised presidential debates, um, you know, without being an expert in any sort of, uh, uh, I don't even know what it, I guess it would be called. Uh, you know, like the effect of campaigning and that sort of thing. Um, you know, there has to be a huge effect on the election for the first time someone could actually watch and see how these two candidates interacted with each other or interacted right. with anybody in general. I mean, I'm sure right. that at this point in time, even leading up to 1960, I'm sure... A lot of people, the most they ever knew about their candidates were either from print uh -huh. or from radio, whether it was hearing their voice or reports on that person in general. Um, and so being able to see these people talk and interact with a moderator or, you know, the other candidate, I mean, that's huge. That has a huge impact. And especially looking back on two guys like JFK and Nixon, um, the impact that just their physical appearance would have, uh, aside from their, uh, ideological beliefs, um, you know, just someone, someone not really totally in tune with their political beliefs, just to look at them, either you're looking at Kennedy or you're looking at Nixon. You know, which person is going to have a, a natural draw to him? Um, right. You know, I mean, you have Kennedy, who is kind of renowned. He, in popular culture, is kind of renowned as a good-looking man. Or you have Nixon, right. who looks kind of like a troll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's absolutely I mean, true. And what, I'm not saying what that that's, that's, that's not really a good metric to judge a presidential candidate on. I'm not saying that it is, but I'm saying that there's a, pro, there's a lot of people who would look at it that way um, right. just from basic instinct. And what do they say? It's like 90% of um, a conversation people take from like physical body language. 10% mm -hmm. is actually what they say. So, you know, yeah, it's going to come off like that in a very first televised debate where people see these high authority, potential professional leadership roles. Mm -hmm. It'll it'll tell a lot about somebody, you know? Exactly. So, <laughs> so it's nuts. I don't know. It's I've crazy. always been kind of, I wouldn't really say fascinated, um, but I, I've always had an interest in like the, you know, the, this older, uh, presidential campaign kind of stuff and looking at the 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 media techniques involved and then especially this first presidential debate and how big of an impact that it would have just on an election <clears throat> exactly exactly that's good stuff all right let's move on to the next point 1960 in the film industry so uh actually some pretty big uh, name films came out in 1960. June 16th, premiere of Alfred Hitchcock's landmark film Psycho hit the U.S. Controversial since release, it sets new standards in violence and sexuality on the big screen and is a critical influence on the emerging of the slasher genre 
uh, for the years to follow. So that's kind of cool. It's a really, really, really um, big title to come out uh, and really kind of change the film industry forever. October 6th, uh, Spartacus came out. And a tiny little tidbit here uh, that Ben <laughs> pulled out is that Kirk Douglas and Stanley Kubrick uh, fought so much on the scent on the set of 1960s Spartacus that they actually had to attend therapy with each other to uh, work together. <laughs> like couples therapy. It's amazing. That's great. I love it. Uh, yeah, I love that too. I don't have a ton of background info on that, um, but as from what I could gather from the article, it was it was a... Uh, they had to attend therapy to get over some issues that they had with each other just to be able to work with other with each other not only on to finish up this film but to just basically not rip each other apart on the <laughs> studio lot and and other right. you know and other uh settings as well right <laughs> Right. It, it kind of reminds me, like, do you have you ever remember of like the famous feud that kind of went between Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando? Kind of started way back when they firm uh, they filmed Guys and Dolls. But the famous scene is where Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando they're eating cheesecake at a place. Sinatra absolutely hates cheesecake, and Marlon would purposely mess up his lines so they'd have to refilm it. And Sinatra would, would get a full brand new cheesecake to eat. And Sinatra at the end of it, he's just like, "F this, I'm over it. I hate." cheesecake cheesecake i'm done for the day and just walked off the set so so <clears throat> i'd like to circle back a little bit here and uh you know i like frank sinatra and all but what kind of maniac doesn't like cheesecake <laughs> <laughs> i have no idea that he should be checked because <laughs> he has something wrong <laughs> oh shoot that's funny that's good. Yeah, no, I, I have no idea. Oh my god! And then rounding out, I mean, obviously there's tons of movies that came out all year round, but one of the other big ones was August 10th. Ocean's Eleven came out. The original Ocean's Eleven with Frank Sinatra, Dino, Joey Bishop, all of those guys. Um, the one that I haven't that watched Ocean's yet. 11. No, wait, man. Okay, see now you brought it up. I was just gonna, I was just gonna move on. I know. I just, I feel so bad about not watching it yet that. <laughs> I, I almost have okay, to well, shame myself into watching it. We'll bring it up every week until you do. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. What's next? Um, we talked a little bit about uh, the emerging toys of the 1950s when we talked about that before, and it was kind of a fun topic for us then, so we thought we'd bring it into today's show as well. So first on the list, we have the Etch-A-Sketch. Um, in the mid-1950s, French electrician André Cassi- wow. Cassini's uh, conceived the idea of a drawing toy with a joystick, glass, a glass screen, and aluminum powder. Originally called the Magic Screen, Etch-A-Sketch became a commercial hit in 1960 when it was mass-produced and marketed by the Ohio Art Company of Bryan, Ohio. How cool is that? It is cool. Um, Etch-a-sketches are... I kind of have a love-hate relationship with the Etch-a-sketch because (laughs) the technology is really cool and the idea behind it is really cool, but it is so stinking frustrating. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, absolutely. <laughs> and you, especially like you're trying to draw something, don't... and especially if you you're getting it to do what you want it to do, and you almost get done with what you're trying to do, and then you screw it up. Yeah, you're like, and then you're, oh, <laughs> it's, it gets shook just a little bit, and the tiny little corner got all messed up, and you're like, oh my god. Oh, you try to do circles, and it just doesn't work either. Oh, you have That's to be terrible. a robot to do circles. Oh, yeah, I know, dude. <laughs> Etch a sketches took up so much of my time at Cracker Barrel. Like we would make a reservation, <laughs> and like they'd go sit down. I'd tell them what they want, and I will sit down and I played Etch a sketch in the big gift shop right when you walk in. Right. <laughs> so, I never. Did you have an Etch a sketch? Like, uh, I mean, no. We just went to we just went to Cracker Barrel. No, okay. actually, yeah, 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 yeah. We had an we have we had an Etch a sketch. My God. Um, I never had one of my, myself. Um, you know, I, I think I had like the little keychain ones, the tiny little oh, yeah. crappy ones. Um, yeah. but my dad still has his Etch-A-Sketch from back in the day. Um, you know, it's out on the shelf in the front porch and, and, uh, not not really ever used but i remember playing with it and it it leaks real bad the, uh, oh, no. i think that was kind of a common problem where the case would separate a little bit or the uh-huh. whatever they used to seal the case would leak a little bit so you had to be really careful when you're shaking it because it, the aluminum powder would just go all over the place oh um, no <laughs> uh, which th- i mean that's actually a way you know if you you make a master creation you know it's really good you can lock it in and it won't right. be erasable if you. It was a common thing. You drain all the aluminum powder out of it. Interesting. Like, so if you have a really cool, if you made a really cool thing and want to keep it forever, yeah, you pop open the back, or you drill a hole, or you do whatever, and you empty all the powder out. Um, that way, you it, it can't be shaken back up and erased. That's cool. Because that's what like the etch a sketch artists do. Interesting. <clears throat> that's neat. That's cool. I like All it. All right, so moving on a little bit, uh, we have the GI Joe. Um, so GI Joe has undergone dozens of different incarnations uh, as a soldier, sailor, pilot, astronaut, superhero, and adventurer um, since Hasbro introduced the original action figure in 1964. Um, yes, we understand that it wasn't introduced in 1960. Um, but being only four years later, we decided this was such an impactful toy um, and it has such a big name even in today's world and market that we had to include the G.I. Joe into this into this right. show on the, 19th, on the year 1960. The one thing I forgot that kind of incorporated this was because in 1960, Hasbro actually bought the name of Barbie in 1960, and that's when Barbie got really big. And oh, so then okay. they made the counterpart to GI like for GI Joe four years later. That's kind of what I meant to put in there, but I forgot. Gotcha. <laughs> so gotcha. you know that, so that, you're just that's gonna, why that's why you're that's just gonna there. leave me to the section that you didn't put all the information in. <laughs> so to just ramble and right. like try and figure out why we did that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're the best. You know, you absolutely are. Okay, uh, finishing finishing out of uh, some notable facts, um, just overall in 1960. Uh, zip codes were first introduced actually in 1960, which is kind of crazy. I actually had no idea it was that young. I thought it was even older than that. 1960, I feel like wasn't that long ago for 
for zip codes. So the postal service used a mascot named Mr. Zip to help people into the transition for using zip codes in their addresses. He he appeared in several commercials commercials and was a successful marketing tool for the new postal plan. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. I, I feel like I need to find a picture of that. You know, we need um, to. I'd like to reach out again. We do it all the time. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you if someone out there listening remembers Mr. Zip, um, we would love to hear from you uh, by email or whatever your chosen form of communication is, um, because I, this is such a weird thing to me um, <laughs> that they would use a mascot to help with a transition to something like postal codes. Uh, you know, we could I found him. We could just go on the internet and find pictures and videos, but I would like to hear from people who remember this and what are your thoughts on that as well? Like, was it was it actually helpful? Was it just stupid <laughs> and goofy? Because my money, I would put money on that. It was just dumb and goofy. Absolutely. But, I want to know if he had like a if he had a uh, like a call sign, like like some sort of catchphrase. Catchphrase. That's what I was gonna think. Yeah. Oh my god, that's nuts. That's so funny. But I found him. I found him. Oh, like they even put him in like different outfits for the seasons, man. Wow, they went they went all out. They did. It's cool. He looks like he was drawn by a four year old, but he's there. I like it. Uh, <laughs> okay, that check is him not, out, Mister. That is not Mr. what Zip. I was envisioning at all. <laughs> I don't know what I was envisioning, but that is not it. Oh my god, I love it. Um, also in 1960, slinky inventor Richard James left his wife and their six kids to go and join a cult down in Bolivia. His wife Betty took over and turned the failing company completely around into a roaring success. In 2001, Betty was inducted into the Toy Industry Hall of Fame. So the guy who invented the slinky was like, okay, I guess this isn't working, so I'm going to go join a cult. <laughs> And then the slinky was cool. So that's freaking nuts. That's crazy. I, that's why I didn't I didn't know what to call this section just because of things like that. Like it didn't it it doesn't fit into any other section that we talked about, but we can't not talk about I know. This. Right. What? It was one of those things that you stumble upon and then you're like, wait a second. The people need to know about this. <laughs> He joined a stinking cult. Like, <laughs> oh my god! That's All right, the, the last the last point we have here, uh, because Bing Crosby pirated baseball games, he possessed the only complete video copy of the 1960s World Series. Mister Bing Crosby himself. That's nuts. That I don't really fully understand. I I don't understand. It was obviously televised if he was able to record right. it. Unless, like, the whole master of the of the televised tape has been lost in some sort of way. So his it, pirated version is the only one that's, like, tangible out there. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, maybe there was an issue and maybe... Um, maybe there was an issue with the overall recording in general to where they could live stream it out, but they something happened with the actual recording um, that, you know, there either was partially destroyed or, um, or lost in general. And I'm, I'm right. looking it up right now and I'm kind of trying to stall as I go 
you know, that I'm looking well, it it's, up. It's but. kind of funny. Like, I, I'm trying to think of how he would be able to pirate this, you know? Like, is he on 35 millimeter film or something like that? Because, I mean, there's no VHS tapes or anything like that. I wonder if he had to take a blank lathe record and then he etched the sound of the TV on the record. So you play the record with the film that's silent and try to time him up. So then you have the commentary of the sports mm-hmm. along with the film at the same time. Yeah, I don't, that's I don't dumb. know. Uh, uh, Pittsburgh Pirates play New York Yankees. Game 7 of the World Series. Bing Crosby, a nervous part owner of the Pirates, asked an assistant to film the game off its TV broadcast. Uh, turned out to be one of the most famous baseball games ever. Recently, film was found at Crosby's estate, one of the few recordings of the entire games from before 1965. This is of December 15th, 2010 on uh, Business Insider. Um, so there was only just a select copy, like a select few copies of the game itself. And so because he pirated it, he had one. And who knows, maybe there's like maybe two others. Yeah. Uh, view for years, the only view of the home run newsreel camera positioned home now too. Uh, yeah, it just seems like there was, it seems from what I can gather here, it just wasn't, it wasn't super common to film them. Um, Interesting. And the reason that this one is famous is just because it was such a good game. Um, okay, and yeah, and and so there, with it being such a good game, there's a huge demand for it, which is why he's, it's notable that he recorded it. That seems to be about uh, about all I can gather from from this article. I'm just kind of quickly scanning it, of course. Right, um, that's kind of cool. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, I got to add this into it, too, not to okay. drag this out any longer. But um, <laughs> viewers of the broadcast won't get to watch the commercials, though. Uh, Crosby's assistant, trying to save money on the, expensive, on the expensive kinescope film, didn't record between the innings. Nice. Oh, my God, <laughs> nice. That's awesome. So, really, Bing Crosby or his assistant invented uh, streaming platforms. <laughs> <laughs> yes that's exactly what oh, happened shoot. I love it that's amazing <laughs> I think that's a perfect note to end the episode all about a retrospective of 1960 thank you so much for joining us here on Young Nostalgia as always it means a lot to have you here uh, let us know what you think follow us on all your favorite podcasting platforms Google Play Spotify Stitcher Apple Podcasts let us know what you think leave a five star review and let us know what you like about the episode take about 20 seconds it would mean a ton to us to see what you guys think also if you uh, have any anecdotes or any future shows and want to be a topic or a guest here on the podcast, give us an email at youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. Let us know if you remember Mr. Zip at all. We'd love to hear what you think about Mr. Zip back in the day and if it ended up helping you out in the end. Um, I think that's pretty much all it is on our end. Ben, anything else, big guy? Uh, No, no. I think I I always like when we do episodes like this – there's always such good information and goofy facts that we learn. Um, and I, this, as 
expected this turned into a, a pretty good show. I did. I will be including the URL um, to that Business Insider article on the War- Bing Crosby World Series um, in case anyone out there would like to read further on that. It's a pretty. It looks like it'd be a pretty good read. Um, so I'll be including that in the show notes as well. That's good stuff. Also, check out some of the links down below, especially People History. Uh, dot com. That is a good place. It'll even break down more events throughout the year 1960 um, if you're interested. All right, man. I think that pretty much wraps us up here for episode 86. As we always say here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ice trays full. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>